Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Board Games Daily, your daily dose of tabletop gaming discussion on Anchor. Now welcome your hosts, Jeremiah Isley, Scott Firestone, and AJ Skifstad. Good morning, everybody, or afternoon, or evening, or late night, whenever you're listening, because time means nothing in a podcast. I'm Jeremiah Isley. Thanks for tuning in to Board Games Daily. Here's what we've got for you today. It's another cage fight. We're going to tell you who won last week's cage fight and serve up yet another bloody battle between two board games. One will survive. Who will it be? You'll decide because you'll call 216 216- Three five two three eight six four, and let us know, or just go over to at Board Games Daily on Twitter, and you'll be able to vote there as well. Okay, that's what's coming up, and who knows, maybe some more stuff. It we don't know. Things just happen every day. We report on it and talk about it. So stay tuned for that and more here on Board Games Daily. Let's get it going, ladies and gentlemen. It's time. For this week's Game Night Cage Fight! And in this corner... Two games enter, and one game leaves. Who wins, you decide. Vote on this week's Cage Fight by going to Twitter. At Board Games Daily. Or call in 216352... Three eight six four. Winner and still champion. Hey there, everybody! Welcome back to Board Games Daily. This is AJ, and I'm bringing you our cage fight for the week. Our cage fight this week is two games that are abstract games in nature. We're pitting them up against each other because they are similar in nature, and we want to see which one is going to win out in this fight. These games are. Onitama by Arcane Wonders and The Duke by Catalyst Games. Now, I love both of these games. I only own one of them, and there's a reason for that. <clears throat> so, I own The Duke. The Duke was produced first. I think it came out in like 2013, maybe 2014. I think it was 13. And um, I love this game. You got many, many different tiles in kind of this uh, medieval. Um, army kind of style Uh, and these tiles are going to have a grid on them they're going to have the grid of your player board which is a chess-like player board and on that grid on your tile you're going to have the movements they can do so your pieces may be able to slide your pieces may be able to jump your pieces may be able to uh, just move forward backward left right diagonal depending on what piece it is and then once you move that tile you have to flip it so that you can use a different set of actions that are on the other side of it. So it's very, very cool. There's probably about 30 different tiles uh, throughout the game with all of its expansions and everything like that. That gives you tons of versatility. The goal is to take the other person's Duke and that's how you win the game. Now, I absolutely love the Duke. I own many expansions for it and have played it a ton of times. Onitama, I've only played a handful of times. And Onitama is a very similar game in that you have five pawns on each side. They're going to start on a smaller grid map, I believe. And I think it's a little bit smaller. 
A five by it might no, it might be a five by five. They might both be five by fives. Um, anyways, you're gonna start with five pawns. In the middle is your emperor, and you're gonna have two cards in front of you, two cards in front of your opponent, and one card off to the side. What you're gonna do on your turn is you are going to play one of your cards. Your card is gonna have a movement. You can move any of your units using that movement. Then you discard that card to the side pile and take the card that was sitting over there. So you're constantly gonna be switching out these five different movements with you and your opponent. What I love about this game is you really start to understand the movements that you're using versus having a bunch of movements that you might not really grasp fully by the end of the game in the Duke. Now, I love it because there's less pawns to work with in Onitama, and there's less movements to try and wrap your mind around. However, each game is different because there's plenty of different movements you can add into the game to make the game different because uh, you don't want to play with the same movements every time. So you can draw at random, or you can like run a game back and play with totally new movements when you run it back. So this is what I like about Onitama. Onitama is on its second expansion now, and I can't remember what it's called. I did a little segment on it about a month and a half ago, um, which these expansions, they add new movements that you can use. So Onitama versus the Duke, which one do I like better? Well, I told you I like Onitama better because of the aspect of getting to know your movements a lot better. The game can be a little bit shorter because you're only dealing with five pawns, Whereas in the Duke, you're dealing with upwards of 15 different uh, units that could or may, not, may or may not be drawn at any, at any time throughout the game. Um, but I do like the versatility of the Duke a little bit more. I like the surprising nature of the Duke a little bit more. So these games are tough because they both have their things that win me over. But I think I'm going to give it to the Duke only because I own the Duke and I've played it way more times. And I love that because I have it in my collection. I've been able to get it to the table a lot more. I know the game very well. If I were to do it all over again, though, I may purchase Onitama, which I believe, by the way, was released in 2015 or 16. I may get Onitama only because I think it's easier to get somebody to sit down to the table and play that one. Less to look at, less to work with, and still a lot of complexity to manage without such a frightful... Uh, experience on the onset. So I don't know. I, Onitama, or, or the Duke definitely wins, but Onitama could have won had it been released first. In any case, that's my take on the cage fight. What's your take? We want to hear from you. That's it for now. Check you later. Hey there, everybody. It is AJ again, and I'm going to talk about what to hit the table on Tuesday. We know Scott played games on Tuesday, Jeremiah and I played games on Tuesday in lieu of not having a Monday night game night, and here's what hit the table. In a segment previous, uh, a couple days ago, we talked about Run For Your Life Candyman. Run For Your Life Candyman by Smirk and Dagger Games turned out to be a super fun game. Don't always judge a game by its cover. If I would have looked at this game in a store, I probably wouldn't have given it two thoughts. Uh, because that's just not my style. Now, there's a lot of people who would have looked at it and been like, whoa, this, go this looks cool, it looks silly, it looks fun, I'm picking it up. And plus, we know Smirk and Dagger makes games that are that can be very silly and, uh, and fun, 
like uh, Dead Last. If you haven't played Dead Last, you need to play it. But um, they they have a lot of these really fun, uh, sometimes social deduction games, take that games, that can just be really fun because of how lightweight they are. They get you laughing. Well, this one was one of them. Don't judge a game by its cover. I'm glad this is in my collection. I'm going to play it more with friends. So I'm super excited about it. Run for Your Life Candyman was a good game. And uh, we also got a game called The Visitors to the Table. I can't remember who made The Visitors offhand right now. This was a new one that we cracked open, and it's basically a deduction game. It's a, it's a uh, phrase deduction game. So The Visitor, or an alien, uh, what he'll do is he'll have a pass, pass phrase. And the pass phrase is uh, objects that can fit into your house, objects smaller than a car, things that bounce. Uh, and, and they have that passphrase. And throughout the game, there's the kid who's on the side of the visitor who's trying to guess the passcode before everybody else. Now, if the kid guesses it, the visitor and the kid win. Now, if the CIA guesses it and the other people that are around the table, the agents, they win. On your turn, what you can do is you submit a card that has a picture on it to the visitor. The visitor will either put that in a sphere uh, that's called the... Uh, not the portal, I can't remember what it's called. But if they put it in, if they, if the visitor puts it in the sphere, that means it has something to do with the passphrase. And, and what the agent will do is keep that upside down, only they get to know what it is. So the kid doesn't get to know what that clue is that has to do with the passphrase. Now, if it doesn't have something to do with the passphrase, it's set on the outside of that sphere or that, uh, that portal or whatever that is that you're trying to break to get the passphrase. It's set on the outside and the agent is the only one who knows what is, well, the agent and the visitor are the only ones who know what's on the outside. So the the agent's getting closer to discovering what the passphrase is not or is, depending on where that card goes. The kid has the same opportunity, only he places his cards face up. The kid's not as stealthy as the agents in the CIA. So he places his card face up. The visitor will either put it outside the sphere or inside the sphere, again, indicating whether it has something to do with the passphrase or not. As the kid gains cards, uh, as the kid gets correct, excuse me, the kid will guess if it goes in the sphere or not. If the kid is correct on guessing whether it goes in the sphere or not, uh, then the kid gets to go up on a track that gives the kid and the visitor more special abilities and it makes it harder for the agents and easier for, for the kid. So... We had a good time playing this game. It reminded me a little bit of like a a Mysterium or kind of like, um, gosh, maybe like a Codenames Pictures uh, with a little bit more depth to it. Not more depth to it than Mysterium, but more depth than Codenames Pictures. Uh, I like the game. We had a good time playing it. Uh, We ran it back twice, I think. Um, But I feel like for me, there's a lot of games that do things like this. Uh, that are just a little more, mm, I don't know. I I feel like they're a little more engaging off the bat and maybe it's kind of already been done. So I, I, because I'd seen it so many times already, I wasn't too enamored by it. It wasn't a new concept to me. And so I liked it. I, I, there was nothing I didn't like about it. The components were good. I really liked the way it looked. Um, it has a glow in the dark box, which is super sweet, but for me, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I would play it again, but I'm definitely not. It's not going to be something that I add into my collection. This was a game that Jeremiah brought, um, so 
he can keep it in his collection and I'll play it if anybody wants to play it. But definitely not my type of game. Uh, there's other games that I feel like do this better. So anyways, that was The Visitor. We enjoyed that. We played a lot of other stuff too. We got another game of Charterstone to the table and we also got my favorite game of all time, Kingdom Builder to the table. Five player Kingdom Builder. It was super duper fun. It went pretty quick as always. So we had a good time playing some games on Tuesday. What did you guys play? We want to hear from you. That's it for now. Check you later. Hey there everyone. Firestone with Board Games Daily powered by TheologyofGames.com. Wanted to talk to you about my Tuesday gaming. This week I actually got four games played which is quite a bit for us. We usually play longer games, and so maybe get two or three. This week, uh, a friend and I showed up early, and so we played Roma 2. This is a Stefan Feld game that was published by Queen Games, and I'm pretty sure it's it's out of print now, so um, sorry about that. But it's a cool kind of a tug-of-war game where you start with this strip between the two of you, and each of you gets uh, some cards from a deck that has either buildings or characters, Every one of them has a special power. And you're basically trying to um, kind of have a tug of war over each of these six spaces. The six spaces each have a die face on them. And so on your turn, you're going to roll dice and assign them to one of those things to kind of trigger it. And then, or you can get more cards or you can get m- coins and you need the coins to pay for the cards. And, sorry, the cards to play them down in front of you and then you use a die later to activate the card. And so some of the cards attack and some of them give you victory points and some of them play off of other things. And it's kind of fiddly and there seems to be a disadvantage to going first. So um, we've had a lot of fun with it, but it's one of those things where we're like, I'm not sure this is a balanced game, but we have a good time playing it when we do. So anyway, Roma 2 is good. Then we played Decrypto, which is... I've been singing this game's praises forever. It is right up there with code names and where words for me of I would play this game almost any time. It, it's just so clever and great and dynamic because every game is going to be different. And uh, this game we had f- four, our four words were water, track. What was the third one? I can't remember. And then accident. Accident is such a hard word. And it doesn't seem to fit the others, and so we're really having a hard time with that. But uh, really liked it. Had a great time. We It came down to each team had a miss and a hit and a steal. And so we just knew, like, this is going to be it. The last, this next turn, we're going we're gonna to hit or we're going to miss. And it was super fun. And just the crypto is such a good game. It's only $20. It is the best $20 you will spend. Get this game. Play it at Thanksgiving. Play it at Christmas. It's so good. All right, next we played Everdell, which I had no intention of playing. I didn't know if I'd ever get to play it. And a friend of mine picked it up, and I've known Jeremiah and AJ have sung this song's praises. I had never got a chance to play it. I didn't back the Kickstarter. I didn't get it at Origins like they did. And so while I knew it was beautiful, and they said in their review on the on the site uh, that it's more than just beautiful. It's got good gameplay, but I just never had a chance to, to find that out. And I did on Tuesday. And true enough, it's it's really good. I had a good time the the interaction the gameplay the the kind of tech tree of if you build this building then you can add this person to your to your tableau really had a good time the components are great the artwork is gorgeous just 
those anthropomorphic animals. I'm just a sucker for those. Hashtag Redwall and Mice and Mystics and all those things. It's so great. So this went from, ah, ah, maybe I'll play this sometime, to, oh, now I need to try and trade for a copy of it. So Everdale, great game from Sterling Games. And then finally, I played Architects of the West Kingdom. This is a brand new game from Garpil Games. And it's from designer Shem Phillips and S.J. McDonald. And they've had other games, Raiders of the North Sea, and there's another one that kind of follow the same. Uh, I think they're all worker placement games. They have the same kind of aesthetic and visual done by um, an artist that uh, did the artwork for the Valeria games from uh, Daily Magic Games. And it's a very stylized artwork and I didn't know anything about the games, and this just came uh, came out from Kickstarter. It's being sent to people, and so he was looking to try it, and we sat down, and it was really interesting. I did I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I've played a lot of worker placement games, and you know most of them follow a same kind of path. This one is different. The there's dynamic movement of your workers across the board. So there are all these spaces on the board, and you can place your person down and get resources just like normal. Then you go there again and you place a second person and you get better stuff. It might be as simple as oh, for every person you have there, you get a wood and then a wood standard and then another wood for each person you have there. So if you keep adding people to that spot, you're just going to get a bunch of wood and it's increasing returns on that. But the way this is dynamic is that people can swoop, take one, there's a spot on the board that you put it there and then you pay some money and you take every person from one color off of a space and put them in jail. That's interesting. So you will get, you're removing that person's ability to get all those goods and eventually you'll get paid for putting those people in jail. So it's kind of interesting because you, you put them in jail and, and people are like, oh, it's kind of take that. And there's a little bit of take that in that for sure. Like you may have wanted those people, but it's also a great way for you to get your people back because you start with like, I don't know, 20 or 22 workers and you're, you're putting them out all over the board. The only way to get them back really is to go to the prison and take them out as an action. So people are throwing them in prison and getting them back, but that actually helps you because then you can pull them back and put them in front of you and keep playing them out. Kind of hard to describe there, but basically it's just really dynamic and the people are moving around and you're, you're trying to figure out, like, they're probably going to get arrested there, but that's okay because the next turn I'll grab them out of the prison before this can happen because when the prison is scored, basically, people can get debts and, and bad things can happen to them. So first impressions on Architects of the West Kingdom was super high. This is a solid worker placement game with a new twist and new ideas. The one thing that we thought was a little strange, two of us, there's a cathedral mechanism that where you're trying to build up this cathedral, and two of us went heavy into that. And at the end of the game, neither one of us won. And the guy who did win beat us by quite a bit, and he just ignored the cathedral. So we're, so we're wondering, this is just one game, of course, but we're wondering if maybe there were too many resources having to be spent to get up the cathedral for too few returns. Because he was ignoring it and then able to just build all these buildings that gave him special abilities and gave him resources and gave him victory points at the end. So... Not sure about that, but I would absolutely play again. This game surprised the heck out of me, as did Everdale. So, Architects of the West Kingdom, thumbs up. Everdale, thumbs up. That was my Tuesday. What have you been playing? Let us know. We'll talk to you later. Bye. You've been-
you can be more than just a listener. If you're listening via the Anchor app, you can be a part of the discussion by using the voice message feature. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Download the app and join the conversation today. Hey folks, Firestone here with Board Games Daily powered by TheologyofGames.com. AJ came up with a very interesting game night cage fight this week, which is Onitama versus the Duke. Interesting choice. I have not played the Duke in probably a year, and that is unfortunate because I'm a big fan of that game, and it's clever and surprising, and uh, there's just so much room for you to do cool new things with that, and the expansions add a lot to it. I love the dynamic of flipping it and different things are on the backside, but it just doesn't come to the table very often. And I think part of it is because there are other games in the same sort of space that are a little faster. One of those being Onitama. It is, you can play Onitama in 10 minutes. It is super easy for people to pick up and figure out and it just hits the table more often. And that's really unfortunate because I'm not sure that Onitama is a better game. Like from a game standpoint, I feel like the Duke is probably a better game. But Onitama hits the table so much more because it's more approachable. It's faster. It's easier to explain. Not that the Duke is difficult. but And so ultimately, I'm going to have to go with Onitama for this cage fight because... It is. It just hits the table more often. I played it again just a couple of days ago, and the person picked it right up, wanted to play again, and I've had a great time every time I play the Duke. But the games can go on quite a while, and your people will be waiting for you, and you're like, "Uh, it should be one to ten minutes for you know." And you keep having to say that, and you're just going back and forth, and finally, you're like, sometimes you're like, "Maybe I'm just going to give up because I want to go play that game over there," and this is supposed to be a quote-unquote filler. So, for me. Cage Fight goes to Onitama. And I cannot wait to try those expansions. I know it's a simple thing, like, oh, it's just going to add some more moves. But just to increase the pool of what you can pull every time for a game and and just new moves, that's a great idea. And it's so easy to do. Onitama wins. Bye. Sour of Madness. The latest from Smirk and Dagger Games. Will you discover what lies beneath unspeakable horror, slip into insanity, or bring about the end of the world? A three-dimensional clock tower stands 15 inches tall, filled with marbles. 30 otherworldly tentacles push through the tower walls in every direction. In this high-tension dice game of Lovecraft-inspired horror. Win your very own copy of Tower of Madness. Head over to theologyofgames.com slash Patreon for full contest rules and how you can enter to win. Hey, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget, tell people about the show. Share it out there on social media. If you're listening somewhere out there, iTunes, Google, wherever, Spotify, give us a rating. Five stars is preferable. We really enjoy that. Or 
Also, give us that subscription, that review. Let people know, hey, this show is totally awesome because we're so humble about it. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, Patreon. Check that out, theologyofgames.com slash Patreon. Be a part of what's going on here. And also, be a real big part by calling by calling 216-352-3864. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For my co-hosts, AJ Skifstad and Scott Firestone, I'm Jeremiah saying... We'll see you next time, and you should go play a game. Do it right now. Thanks for joining us today. Board Games Daily is powered by TheologyOfGames.com. Don't forget to head over to TheologyOfGames.com to check out all we have to offer, including written reviews, our YouTube channel, and two other podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening, and go put a game on the table.